Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a long-time listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you. About age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest? Until God says my time is done. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside. The podcast for senior folks are about to be senior folks or been a senior folk for a long, long time. We're all looking at ways that we can stay healthy, stay fit, stay active, stay engaged, and stay happy as we merge in and through our senior years. What are senior years? Well, let's just say it's anything over 60. You know, I'm going to try this. The dogs are in the room with me. One of them is barely... uh, Let's see, he's a year and 10 months old, and so you know what that means. So if you hear puppy sounds in the background, well, that's Jasper Binks. He is the co-producer of this episode, and, uh, you know, and to be frank with you, he's a little on the immature side. So if you hear me say no suddenly or sit suddenly or would you get out of here? Uh, well, it's uh, it's because my producer is not acting like a producer. He's acting like a puppy. Thank you for listening. Uh, a lot of you have been listening for several years now. It's hard for me to believe that uh, this podcast is in its third year, third season, and that um, you know we've had tens of thousands of listens to the podcast. And I thank each and every one of you that have taken some time out of your day, out of your week, during your walk, during your exercise session, during some Sunday afternoon when you're just bored out of your gourd and there's nothing else to do and you say, well, hey, I'll listen to that uh, fitness trainer guy, that uh, Gene Fleming, whatever his name is, that lives up there in northeast Alabama. You know, there's nothing special about being a fitness trainer and being in northeast Alabama. A fitness trainer is a person that's gotten some credentials to help him help other people maximize their fitness. That's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And it's not the same for everybody that deals with a fitness trainer. Um, some people want to lose weight. Some people just want to, um, you know, stay active and stay strong. Some people want to get much stronger. And you know, and I got to thinking this week about um, the value of physical therapy, and uh, so much of physical therapy you know, we don't get it until we need it. Uh, It's because we've got a shoulder issue, an elbow issue, a hip issue, a knee issue, could be a foot issue. Uh, It could be uh, after a major medical event like um, a stroke, a heart attack, uh, automobiles, accidents, uh, accidents around the home, slip and falls. Um, 
I know of a lady here locally who's half, she's older than 70. We'll just leave it right there. And uh, she was taking her rather large dog for a walk, holding on to the leash. The dog bolted after a rabbit or a bird or something. But um, he gave her a good jerk to the shoulder. And the treatment for that shoulder was not to put her arm in a sling and walk around for, you know, weeks with it out of use. But it was to go to physical therapy and get that shoulder back in shape. And part of that was oh yeah there was there was massage and there was heat and there was ointments and there was a, a, a range of motion movements but also included in that physical therapy was strength training and um and so you know in a few weeks uh okay six weeks a couple times a week going to physical therapy she got the use of her shoulder restored and when we started lifting weights with her after her physical therapy, she could barely pick her hands up above her head. And after a few months of working out with us regularly, she got where she could do full extension of her arms over her head. And you say, well, is that really that important? Well, of course it is, because we all have closets. We have garages. We have shops. We have sheds. We have pantries places where things are up on shelves or overhead that we have to reach up to and pull those things down. So yeah, being able to reach over your head is important. I know a fellow out in Iowa right now that that's important to him, you know, and uh, and uh, he's getting some uh, physical therapy for that. That's, that's a good thing. That's smart. Uh, so since we've had a lot of family stress, this last month, I found it very hard to free myself from being absorbed with all of that. You know, when you've got somebody in your house that's, uh, well, not in our immediate house, but in our family, who is very, very sick with COVID-19, and at a relatively young age, I'm just going to say under 40, that covers all of my daughters, um, and, uh, and you've got a granddaughter that's less than nine who's also sick with it because they went to an Easter party and they took photographs with family members who were COVID positive at the time. They had a great celebration and in a few days the positivities started showing up. So anyway, uh, one daughter got very, very sick, did not have to be hospitalized. Uh, and she is recovering, and she is just now going back to work. So, you know, the story ultimately has a happy ending, but she suffered unnecessarily. Now, when you've got a family member who's ill, especially with something that's as serious as COVID-19, and I know there are some people in this country who don't think that COVID-19 is serious. Some think it's over already. And um, a lot of people have gotten vaccinated. I'm one of them. And I know a lot of our listeners are people who've already gotten their first and their second vaccinations. And I want to tell you, you know, I'm proud of you for being a good citizen. And um, But I've had to deal with some you know, frustration within my own family because there's a hesitancy to get vaccinated because they just don't think it's necessary. They, they just 
don't think it's necessary, but, you know, I think back in the course of my 63 years, and every time I turned around, it seemed from childhood I was getting vaccinated for mumps, measles, measles, rubella, whooping cough, um, you know, uh, Let's see, what's some of the other ones we got vaccinated for? Oh, we got vaccinated, you know, and every time we stepped on a rusty nail, it seemed we got a tetanus shot. So what was a tetanus shot? It was a vaccine, you know, and if I'd gotten bit by a rabid dog, I'd have been getting uh, vaccinations for that. So anyway, vaccines have always been part of our life. I had to get my children vaccinated and get their shot records updated uh, for entry into school. And also, because we were a military family, we had to travel overseas at times. And all these things had to be in order, and it was for health. You know, it was for to protect them and to protect others from serious uh, illnesses that can cripple or kill or at least make you very, very sick for a long, long time. As you know, over the last 40 years, antibiotics have become less and less effective in treating uh, a lot of things. And viruses are one thing that are not treated with antibiotics. And that's why it's so important that uh, even though I'm not crazy about big pharma, you know, they've developed immunotherapy drugs that uh, can uh, deal with viral infections like never before. And in the end, this research, this technology, this, this science is going to pay many dividends in the future uh, where viral infections are concerned. Whether we're having a pandemic or not, I'm sure the research is going to open many avenues of doing the same type of immunotherapy, and it's going to help a lot of people in the long run. It's a shame it took a pandemic to cause this intensive and rather fast research to occur, but it has occurred, and ultimately we as a people, a society, will benefit from it. Now, had to deal with the stress of family members, uh, three of them that got sick at one event, and they knew everybody there, they loved everybody there, uh, it was a happy celebration, it was Easter time, and But that didn't stop coronavirus because it is not a respecter of family or bloodline or holidays or, you know, picture-taking sessions. It, it's just not. It, it gets in a body. It starts to multiply. That person gets sick. Some get very sick. And the more, the more things you have wrong with you health-wise, you know, everything from... Um, heart disease to uh, congestive obstru uh, obstructive pulmonary disease, uh, diabetes to obesity to you name it, um, that further complicates your ability to combat any infection, be it bacterial or viral. And so uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's been stressful because our daughter was sick and we couldn't go help her. You know, even though we've had uh, our first vaccines, um, that, that's, that's not a ticket to go hang out with somebody that's infected with COVID presently. And, you know, I am not a virologist, virologist, a person that studies viruses. I'm not a doctor. I'm a fitness trainer. 
okay? I've said that a dozen times, at least on this podcast. But, you know, um, one thing I am, I'm smart enough to know not to get next to somebody that's really sick with something that could make me as sick as they are or possibly worse. You know, as we age, age is a factor. And it's a, it shouldn't be surprising to me that most of the people that have gotten vaccinated already in the United States are people over 65. And uh, unfortunately, the rate of vaccination is slowing down. And, um, you know, we'll never probably ever get to the point where we have enough people vaccinated to where we can uh, catch that brass ring of herd immunity. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, 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 it's a battle. You know, it's, you know, wars are fought over long periods of time, and you generally don't have just one battle and the war is over. You know, that's, and, and we're fighting a really bad guy in this uh, COVID-19 virus. So uh, I have followed enough of the science because I don't follow Facebook and, uh, you know, and, and I listen to doctors and scientists and representatives from the CDC and, and listen to what these folks have to say about it. And some people I know, they say, well, I don't, they don't trust them because that's government. Well, I can tell you this, in my 63-year lifespan, the government told us to get vaccinations so we could go to school and, uh, and make it. I did, so it worked. I joined the military. They gave us a whole new round of vaccinations. I made it through 20 years of that, so the science of vaccinations has worked for this guy. Um, you know, there were some problems, yes, with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because a relatively few people developed blood clots. And those people were women, and they were people between the ages of 20 and 49. So, you know, I'm not here to report the news. I'm sure you listen to the news and you've heard this too. And, but, and it's hard for us to grapple with really, really large numbers. Okay, let's just be honest with it. If, um, if I showed you five stacks of money and you couldn't count that money, you couldn't tell how much money was in those stacks just by how many inches thick it was. But if you took 500,000 $1 bills and stacked them up, it would cover a desk. Okay, that's a, that's a lot. And then if you pulled six of those $1 bills out of that stack, that's how many people had problems with blood clots. So it's, it's such a minuscule percentage, and sad nonetheless that some people got sick, and at least one I know of died from blood clots that were possibly related to uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I'm not defending the vaccine. I'm not defending uh, any aspect of this. All I'm saying is there are things that we do in our daily lives and there are medications that we take that have far, far greater risk than six in 500,000, okay? Okay, let's, let's just look at it like that. And in some of those 
side effects that they talk about on the on the on the commercials on TV. You hear them. They'll go down through a list of things. May cause swelling of the throat and tongue. May cause blurry vision. May cause dizziness. May cause diarrhea and vomiting. May cause rashes. It may cause rectal bleeding. And <laughs> I heard that on one. I said, "What? You're going to give me a medicine to clear up my skin, but it makes me bleed?" Mm. And then. Oftentimes you will hear uh, a side effect of some medications, pharmaceutical drugs, is death. Death. D-E-A-T-H. Death. So there are good drugs that we take in good faith prescribed by our doctors that we believe the benefits outweigh the risk. Well, in taking these vaccines, the benefits of the vaccine far outweigh any risk. Um, a friend of mine in Canada recently shared a post that uh, was legitimate and it was produced by a Canadian, their, their version of the um, FDA or uh, CDC, that when it comes to taking the coronavirus vaccination, your risk of getting blood clots is less far less by a thousand times the risk of getting blood clots from taking birth control pills. And that's why this warning on the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is from age 20 to 49, the years with the possibility of being on birth control pills. You get that, you know. This is an illness that has affected women, and some of them coincidentally were on birth control pills, they took the vaccine, they got blood clots, got very sick, and at least one died. So your risk from taking birth control pills far outweighs the risk of getting vaccinated. Okay, well, we're the over 60 crowd. It's nobody worried about birth control pills and, and drugs like that right now. But consider this. Uh... Getting in my car and driving 15 miles north of here to a place where there's a walking park is a, I'm a thousand times more likely to get killed in a automobile accident or to hit a deer and get seriously injured driving that 15 miles than I am at risk for getting sick from taking a vaccination. Now, I had my first vaccination already had a little sore shoulder, just like you get with a flu shot. I didn't get a fever. I didn't, um, you know, suffer. I didn't have diarrhea, vomiting, a blurred vision, any itching or anything like that. I just felt kind of, blah, you know, kind of yucky. But I didn't feel sick. And like I said on the previous podcast, which I made right after I had that first vaccination, um, the discomfort from the vaccine itself, the soreness in my arm, would not have stopped me from doing anything I wanted to do. Anything. Mow the yard, split the wood, walk the dog, vacuum the house, wash the dishes, uh, do the laundry, you know, go shopping, nothing. Well, you know, now, today is May the 1st, and on May the 3rd, I will get my second vaccine. And I will be as transparent about that Moderna vaccination as I was with the first one. 
and I'm going to tell you if it kicks my butt, I'm going to tell you it kicked my butt, and I'm going to tell you exactly how it kicked my butt. I know that those of you that listen are at different stages of getting vaccinated. Some have had one, some have had two uh, vaccinations already, and I salute you. I'm a little bit envious, but uh, I've always believed in telling the truth, even if it's a little bit ugly. Okay, and that's where I'm going to go with this podcast at this point. I told you we had COVID in the family. It was very upsetting to me and my wife. We could not take care of our still relatively young daughter, and by that I mean under 40. Uh, We couldn't go see her. We couldn't take her a bowl of chicken soup, okay? And and that was uh, a feeling of helplessness, okay? But, you know, helplessness was something we felt because we couldn't, we couldn't parent. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't play nursemaid uh, to somebody that we loved. And I know a lot of people have gone through that with this COVID thing and quarantines and, you know, and all of that. So, you know, we're just one of many, many, many hundreds, if not thousands, if not a million or more people who've been, had their hands tied by the vaccine. Well, in the fallout from that, uh, another emotion cropped up in me. And I can't go into the specifics of it, but uh, to cut to the chase, it was anger. It was anger. Because when people are intelligent enough to hear the news and hear there's a pandemic and hear that people are still getting infected even now, at rates in excess of 40,000 people a day with new COVID-19 infections. Uh, and they go to risky places with people they don't live with every single day. And, uh, and they engage in risky activity, uh, even if it is a holiday party with family you love. Uh, and you don't wear a mask, and you don't maintain any social distance, and nobody even stops to think that somebody in this crowd of people who are normally not together could be infected and contagious, that makes me angry. I'm like, why didn't you think about that? Why didn't you, why did you not let that kind of uh, mull around in your thought processes when you were planning to go? Uh, why didn't you pull your lawn chair a, a little further away from everyone else, uh, you know, and and so why anger? Why anger? I, well, I, you know, people have the right to do whatever the Sam hell they want to do. I respect that. You know, if you if you want to do stupid stuff, you can do stupid stuff. Uh, you know, here locally we have a waterfall, a big waterfall, with a significant drop, and young men year after year after year, go up there and they play Tarzan and jump off that fall and they hit splat and some of them die. Some of them make it, you know, and I'm sure the, the last thing they said was, hey, watch this stuff, or some other word. And they jumped and, uh, you know, and everybody hooted and hollered and laughed and said, man, you're crazy. And, but um, some of them don't make it, you know. They hit hard, they hit the icy water, they can't swim well enough or whatever, and um, we have to send the rescue team in there to retrieve them. Well, 
you know, I respect the right of that person to do something crazy and fun. But I also reserve the right to say, you know, some things are really dangerous and there is a predictable outcome that may happen. And so when you jump off a high waterfall, uh, you've got a 50-50 chance. That's one and two. Either you will make it or you won't. And some don't. Okay. Uh, but I'm not going to be angry at those people because, uh, you know, they've chosen in a moment of time that they're going to take an action. They're going to do something that could put them in permanent or put them in harm's way in a way that could be permanent and or fatal. COVID-19 hasn't been treated like that by so many people. And, you know, there's this shrug the shoulders. Um, oh, it's nothing. It's, it's, just like the, it's just like a cold or the flu. You know, I know, I know five people that got it. And, you know, they said they were just sick for a few days and it was over. And, uh, you know, but that's not the way it happens for everybody. And so it took getting actually infected and being really, really sick with it for one of my daughters to realize that, uh, my God, this thing is real. This virus is real. And when it hits you, it hits you hard and you can't breathe and you can't taste and you can't smell and your stomach gets tore up. And, um, and you feel like you've been run over by a truck for days after days after days. And it's, it, for her, it was weeks before her sense of taste and smell started coming back. So while I'm happy on one hand that she didn't end up disabled somehow from being infected, I'm angry that she still thinks that it's nothing. And she still thinks that there's no need to get a vaccination. And, uh, you know, you can be mama, you can be daddy, you can be a scientist, you can be a doctor, and you can suggest to people all you want that there's science behind this that says the benefits far outweigh any risk. Let's talk about that for a second. Right now, I've had one vaccination of the Moderna vaccine. It's estimated that my level of protection is about 80%. What, what does that mean, 80% protected? That means there's an 80% chance that if I'm exposed to the coronavirus, I won't get very, very sick from it. That's all it means. It just means I'm not going to get very, very sick and have to be hospitalized. The second vaccine brings me up to 94, 95% protected that I'm not going to get so sick from the, vac from the virus that I require serious medical treatment, immunotherapy, hospitalization. Um, so really, I'm only gaining 15% more protection with getting the second vaccination, and I'll take it, and I'm going to tell you why. Let's say right now I'm exposed to somebody with coronavirus. I'm partially protected. I may not get really sick from it, but I'm still going to get coronavirus, and I'm still going to get sick from it to some degree. You follow? I'm, I'm, I'm still susceptible to getting the virus and getting sick from it. That's why 
even though I'm 80% right now with one vaccination, I'm still masking when I go in public places. I had to go to Walmart today, go shopping. And it's my choice, you know. Um, I worked really hard to get to this age. I got a few things wrong with me, nothing real serious, but, um, you know, I don't want getting sick with coronavirus to be the start of something, something different, like vascular problems, which happens with some people. They don't die. They don't feel real bad, but they've got damage to their circulatory system. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want that. And there's some that get it, and they get sick, and they recover, but they can't seem to catch their breath. I don't want that. I don't want that. Vaccinated or not, I don't want that. So, you know, I know with some of you, I'm, if it sounds like I'm preaching, I'm preaching to the choir, but it angers me that even still, after having an experience with serious sickness from the coronavirus, um, there's a refusal to get vaccinated. There's a belief that once you've had it, you can't get it again. Well, we already know that there are people that have had it as many as three times in the last year. And that's a fact, Jack. You know, you know, so I'm going to take the vaccine. I'm going to take the second vaccine. And until the CDC says no mask, no social distance, hug, shake, sing, shout, go to concerts, go to bars, party hard, whatever it is you do. I'm not that I went to bars or party hard, partied hard anyway. I'm going to behave myself as if I'm still at risk every day for getting the coronavirus. And once the CDC says we've got herd immunity and the likelihood of catching the virus or getting sick is so slow, so low, that, um, you know, there's no longer a need for us to take extra caution. I'm, I'm going to keep on taking extra precautions. I'm still going to use hand sanitizer. I'm still going to mask up. I'm still going to maintain social distancing. And even though, as I've said in a previous podcast, I'm a handshake. I used to be a handshaker and a hugger. I think that's, that's probably pretty much gone, except with immediate family. So, you know, I'm angry uh, to a degree that there's this, they call it vaccination hesitancy. And there's some people that are on the fence about it and they're waiting for more results to come out. And, um, you know, I guess they want to see if the rest of us make it before they roll up a sleeve. But in my way of thinking, as an old retired, well, I'm not that old, as an old retired sailor, my way of thinking is uh, getting this vaccination is a civic duty for me because I don't want to infect anybody else if I have coronavirus. So I don't want to get coronavirus, and if I do, I want to suppress it quickly because my immune system has been bolstered by the vaccine. That may not make any sense, and I may be saying some of this wrong, but this is what I know. My wife and I are in our 60s. 
and we've got the potential for 20, 30 years ahead of us. Uh, we don't want serious infections. We don't want hospitalizations. Uh, and to be honest with you, we really don't want to take vaccines, but right now it's our best bet to protect ourselves from this virus that has killed over 550,000 Americans. Mm, that's a lot of people. That's eight times the seating capacity of the Coliseum, uh, the football stadium at the University of Alabama. You know, uh, 68 times. I'm not sure how many it seats now. It's a lot of people. 84,000, I think. I could be wrong on that. No need to correct me if I am, but that's still a lot of people. So, as you are winding your way through this thing, you're going to probably have decisions that you're going to have to make uh, about putting yourself at risk, whether you're vaccinated or not. You know, where are you going to go? Um, how close are you going to get to people? Um, are you going to fly? Are you going to take a cruise, go on a vacation? going to travel overseas. Um, I, th I think about all of it, you know, and um, mostly I just want to live, you know. I want to live and have an opportunity to uh, take long walks and lift some weights and uh, enjoy my family, my friends. And um, but, I can, but I can tell you this, if you ask me, will it affect my opinion about whether or not to socialize with people that are unvaccinated? I'd be a liar if I said it would not affect my decisions. I want to be as protected in every environment as I possibly can. And uh, I have no control over that. It's, it's not mine to control. You know, as long as America's a free place and people can make their own decisions, I'm going to respect the decisions of people not to get vaccinated. But I can tell you this, until this pandemic is over and the CDC gives us the green light go, resume everything like it used to be, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to immerse myself into training of people who are unvaccinated, uh, being in close proximity with people who are unvaccinated. And, uh, you know, even the CDC is suggesting, well, yeah, you can get together for family gatherings with everybody that's vaccinated. Hmm. Well, if you got a family like mine, that's kind of a death now because... <laughs> None of them are getting vaccinated. Kathleen and I will be the only ones uh, to date so far. We're the only ones. Uh, and I know they're younger, and um, they feel like they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof and invincible. But, um, you know, as sometimes <laughs> we say around here, you do you, <laughs> and I'll do me. You know, you do what you feel like you need to do, and... I'll do what I feel like I need to do. I won't judge you, and I'll ask you not to judge me. But, um, you know, I've lived through some really hard times in the past, and apparently I'm a survivor. I've lived through, um, wasn't a pandemic, but a major outbreak of the flu back uh, when I was in the Navy. It got down to where we... we almost couldn't man a skeleton crew to run our operations. And by that, that means having enough guys that could go in and turn the lights on and power up the equipment and be on watch. 
because everybody else was sick in bed with fevers, 103, 104 degrees. It was bad for two weeks. It swept through our command of only 200 men and women in about a week, and you know we didn't we didn't have enough people to keep operations going. And there was nothing they could do to treat us except give us uh, medication to keep us comfortable as possible. And I'm going to tell you, that really stunk because we were living in the barracks in, in Alaska. <laughs> you know, small two-man rooms. <laughs> I'm sick. My roommate's sick. People upstairs are sick. The people down the hall are sick. Everybody's sick. People in the bathroom are sick. The, you know, it, it was just really ugly. Now, nobody died from that flu, thank God. But, uh, you know, um, those of us that weren't as sick as others, we, we stayed on watch. We kept right on working, you know. And at first it was like, okay, your fever's got to be 101 to get sent home from work. And then they said, well, if you can still work up to 102 degrees, uh, you got to stay. <laughs> And finally, the cutoff was like at 102.5 or something before people could go home. You know, and said, just take some aspirin and, and, and stay on watch. Because, you know, that was back in the Cold War. And there were these Soviets that we were really worried about and had to keep an eye on them. So, just like that flu was no respecter of our youth, of our vitality, of our patriotism, this coronavirus is no respecter ages, sexes, religious preferences, or anything else. So, we've had a lot of stress for quite a while. Some of that stress emerged in me as anger because I, I, don't, I, I don't have it in me to understand given the gravity of this situation on a global level why there would be any hesitancy to get the vaccine. And when enough people around you have gotten a vaccine and did just fine with it, that that'd be an example to a lot of people. But apparently it's not enough for some. And I'm just going to have to respect their belief and pray that they don't get coronavirus. So this is not exactly what you'd call a happy podcast, is it? So, uh, it, But it sounds like a fussy old guy, you know. I was telling Kathleen yesterday, I said, I said, oh, please, honey, help me not become a cranky old guy that just gripes about everything, you know, <laughs> yelling to the neighbor's kids to stay off the lawn. And, and uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy. I'm not that guy. You know, I'm, I'm generally a happy, peppy, energetic, get-stuff-done kind of person. So the coming weeks are telling. And if, uh, you know, when I get my vaccine on Monday, my second vaccine, a couple of weeks later, I intend to start training individuals again who have also been vaccinated fully. And, um, you know, and if the state gives us the go-ahead, we will resume training at the senior centers, hopefully in June. It may be July. We may never get the green light for that. I, I don't know. It's not my decision. My boss has to work that out. And we've talked about plans and how we could do it. And, you know, but we're just going to have to see. We're just going to have to see. I'm going to feel very confident in that 
when I resume teaching fitness classes again, that I can maintain social distance from the people that I'm instructing in these classes. I can space the seats out for the seniors. I can sit up front and be removed from them. I can be mic'd and amplified if they can't hear me well enough. There's all kind of possibilities. We can sanitize weights. We can sanitize the room. We can use hand sanitizer. We can wear masks. But I'm hoping that the vast majority of the people that come back to our exercise classes are, are vaccinated. And uh, that's going to be another tricky thing for us, too, because we can't make them get vaccinated. You know, this is America's not a dictatorship, you know. Um, you know, we can say we prefer that you're vaccinated before attending these classes, but we can't say you must be. And I think some senior centers already in our state have tried that. I, I really don't have my ear to their ground to know how that's going. But um, anyway, this is just me rambling, telling you what's been going on. It's been a month since I put out a podcast. I feel kind of bad about that, but not really because I had stuff going on. And, um, you know, the goal here is for us to have truly healthy senior years. And the only way we can do that is to take the best possible care of ourselves as we can. We need to eat good, healthy food. We need to get good, regular exercise. We need to have regular checkups with our physician. If you find a lump, a mysterious pain, uh, dizziness, shortness of breath, headaches that are unexplained, um, you know, call the doc and go see. Um, I did hear one tidbit this last week that made a lot of sense with me. And, you know, as, as the story goes, I was a very sick guy for a long time. And when I came out of that sickness, I had some damage. And, um, and so I had to have blood work done, uh, testing for liver enzymes and testosterone levels and things like that. Uh, and we did that for a number of years. Well, for the last three or four years, those numbers have all been okay. So uh, the doctor is the, the doctor I was listening to on television, I admit, uh, she said, um, getting our blood work done every six months is not necessary unless you have a problem that you're tracking through that blood work. You know, otherwise, getting blood work done about once a year is all you really need. And so yours truly is going from twice a year to once a year, starting on this next appointment schedule. And by the way, and I, I find this kind of curious, but it's all because of the pandemic. The doctor that I am seeing now, I have only seen by video. And he has never laid eyes on my physical body. And so for my next appointment, I'm going to go in vaccinated with a mask on, and I'm going to get to meet my doctor face-to-face -face for the very first time after over a year. I think that's just, I think that's just weird. <laughs> but uh, and one of the things I do and have done for the last, uh, I don't know, six or eight years is I get a physical every year. You know that thing where you lay down on the table and the doctor presses on your guts and, and taps this and taps that and, and listens to your gut with the stethoscope and... You know, and all kind of weird stuff. Um, I'm going to get the full exam. And uh, 
so he can inspect me for everything from skin cancers to you name it lumps and bumps and things of that could be serious that I can't see so anyway that's just that's just stuff our goal is to take care of ourselves and nobody's gonna take as good a care of you as you are nobody else is holding your fork nobody else is holding the drink that you must drink nobody else is uh, you know making you sit on the couch 10 hours a day it's up to you to say okay I need to move I need to stay active I need to take care of these muscles and joints of mine and I really truly hope you do that that's 43 minutes of me just yabba dabbing and talking about junk that has upset me things that mystify me talking about coronavirus and vaccines and all of that and you may have shut this off long before I get to this point here but if you didn't thank you for listening this is Gene Fleming on the Pushing 60 Aside podcast a podcast for seniors and I hope you have a truly good week <laughs>